Hello, welcome to another edition of the Football Aholics Podcast. I'm James, and today, this is going to kind of be me doing this kind of solo today. Uh, Race One's doing some things, uh, personal things, so hopefully everything goes well in that regards, and he can share with you later on down the road if he really feels like it. I'm not going to make him share. But we have a pretty stacked show today. We're going to talk about a little bit about Philip Rivers and what the future might hold for him. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, obviously, Recording on a Sunday. Today's kind of a big day, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, so there's a lot to cover when it comes to the Super Bowl. You know, we're going to have some ridiculous prop bets that are being made. Um, there's also going to be talking about the game itself. And we're going to also talk about the NFL Honors Show last night um, to where they named the MVP, the Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the uh, Offensive Defensive Player of the Rookies, uh, Rookie of the Year, and much more. But let's start off with one th- one piece of news that we got this week. And this. Obviously, it has something to do with my favorite uh, college team, the Miami Hurricanes. Ed Reed, named Chief of Staff at the University of Miami. Um, this is a huge hire for the program. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys caught this. Uh, man, I want to say it was either Wednesday night. Wednesday, it was sometime during the week, and it was, they called it the reunion. Um, it was something that Fox Sports put together. And uh, obviously, with the Super Bowl being in Miami, this is kind of a fitting thing to do there. Uh, but they had Ray Lewis, Reggie Wayne, um, Ed Reed, and Michael Irvin. How could I forget Michael Irvin? Um, but yeah, Michael Irvin, and they also had Jimmy Johnson come on there for a little bit as well. And they were just talking about some of the culture things that needed to happen. And it's kind of funny how they went from talking about it on the show, then the very it was like the very next day Ed Reed got hired onto the staff. So. I definitely think there's going to be a culture change in Miami. Um, it didn't seem like Ed Reed was happy with the culture, and none of the guys up there actually were happy with it. Um, there were some eye-popping things that Ed Reed said on that show to where with him being in that position to fix them, I can almost guarantee they're going to be fixed or there's going to be some new coaches and new staff on the coaching staff being hired as soon as possible because – Ed Reed, just like a lot of these alumni that graduated in that historic program, is not happy with the way it's being ran. And honestly, I can't blame him. I mean, you were, you're you are talking about a year we came off and lost to FIU. We lost to Duke. We lost to blowout games. I mean, this is just not North Carolina. I mean, this was a year that really it was embarrassing for the Miami football program. And this next coming year, I mean, this is, a, again, they had the talent to be great and be good and win – and possibly, you know, win the Coastal again. But, however, unless some of these things changes, it it's going to be another disappointing season. And hopefully Ed Reed stepping in there can uh, make a difference because this is, is a guy that knows how to win championships. Um, as we all know that he was part of that one team. And just being able to be a part of that, he understands what it takes to win championships. He also was a Super Bowl champion with the Ravens. This is a guy that it's a great fit. Obviously, bring him back part of a, of a, the historic part of the uh, program, and let's see what he can do with with being the chief of staff, and hopefully he can turn things around pretty quickly here at the University of Miami. But let's go on to Philip Rivers. Um, it was it was said last week that the Chargers have decided to part ways with Philip Rivers, and. It didn't really shock me at all. I think, you know, after last year, I think the Chargers were ready to go somewhere new in the quarterback position. But 
you look at Philip Rivers, as we all know, he moved away from San Diego. Now I believe he's living in Florida. Um, that's what the media is putting out there. And this brings up an interesting thing because if this is truly a fact and the Chargers are saying, you know what, Philip, we're done. We're going to go get someone younger or someone new in that position to see what happens. There is a few teams that Rivers could step in and make a huge impact on immediately. One of those being right in Florida, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As we all know, they have a decision to make when it comes to Jameis Winston. Um, you know, a guy that came out of the of college ranks and was really huge promise and huge high expectations. However, not really delivering on those. As we all know, he, he kind of made a historic 30 for 30 mark, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions um, this past season. And really, you can't win with that. I mean, everyone. I know there's people out there like, oh, well, he, he had 30 touchdowns. I'm like, well, yeah, but he also gave the ball away 30 times. That's 30 extra possessions throughout the year that he gave away. Um, you can't win championships like that. Um, I think Phillip Rivers going to Tampa Bay would be a good fit. I think Bruce Arians would be able to work really well with him. Um, obviously, the talent around the offense would really help Phillip Rivers. Um, he has a number one receiver in Mike Evans. Um it's just I would be really interested to see if he can go there. Um, one in the AFC South, the Colts. Um, I don't know if they're really too sold on Jacoby Brissett. I think Brissett started out really well. He stepped in and in a situation where no one expected Andrew Luck to retire. Um, but like they have to ask themselves, you know, after the kind of free fall they took at the end of the year last year, can they win a championship with Brissett? And obviously they have so much talent with them. Uh, Marlon Mack. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, just so many guys on that and that good defense. There's so many, so much talent on that Colts roster to not make the playoffs. And really, I think it's kind of like what the Jaguars were in for a couple years is maybe they were a quarterback away from making a real noise in the NFL. Um, I put Miami down. I think Miami's going to go with Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I. I think, you know, that's what a lot of the mock drafts have. And I think, I don't know if they'll get him in the first round, maybe a second. And 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 I think that that's an option they can go, especially if he can play immediately. But I think what would really work for them is draft, uh, get a quarterback. If they decide to go with Tua in the first round, get Tua, bring in Phillip Rivers for a couple years, let him teach Tua, let him develop Tua. Let, don't throw Tua into the mix so quickly because let's be honest – the Dolphins have a good, they have an okay team. They were a lot better than what people thought they were going into last year. A lot of people thinking they were going to go 0-16, the worst team in the NFL, and obviously that was not the case. Um, they end up with five or six wins. I want to say six wins, which is very hard to believe. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did some good things there. But I don't know. Fitzpatrick can do the same job, I suppose. So I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see if Miami inserts them themselves into the Phillip Rivers hunt um, and it's just going to be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, this is a really crazy free agency class. I mean, when it comes to quarterbacks, I mean, Phillip Rivers, obviously Tom Brady has yet to announce where he's going. Um, let's see what Teddy Bridgewater decides to do. Um, do the Bears stick with Mitch Trubisky? I mean, I would love, I can't wait to get back on the air with Raceland because we. This is this is a topic that can pretty much take a whole show. Um, when it comes when it comes to the whole what will happen in the free agency and what possible storylines can happen when it comes to the 2020 free agency in the NFL. But let's move on to what really matters today. Um, as you, Like I said earlier on the top of the show that I am recording on the early morning of Sunday morning of Super Bowl Sunday. And I don't know about you guys, um, 
But Super Bowl Sunday is kind of bittersweet to me. Because, yeah, we have the big game, and, yeah, we get to see the commercials, the halftime show, the the new Super Bowl championship. And it, it's kind of like a celebration of the 2019 season. However, it's kind of bitter because it's like, well, now we're without football until August. Um, real football until September. And... Obviously, there's an XFL, Arena Football League, and I love the NFL, uh, not the NFL, the NAO, the Arena League I watch. Um, I love it. I I can't wait for it to start in April, but nothing quite beats NFL. Nothing quite beats the college football ranks. And when it comes to those two, this is the last game for months. Um, so it, it's kind of bitter in that regards, but there are some ridiculous prop bets. Um, obviously, the one that comes up every year is you know, the national anthem, the duration of the national anthem. And this year, the Vegas odds and a lot of, and this is from multiple sources, have it about uh, the over under two minutes. Um, and if you're really wondering, uh, so they actually did the research for us, and this was on multiple sites. Um, this is not my research when it comes to this stat. But the average of her last three performances were about a minute and 57 seconds. Um her last anthem performance, however, uh, to what I could find, was actually way back in 2017 when McGregor took on Floyd Mayweather in that epic boxing match. Um, and she actually went over the two-minute mark. She went, she hit about two minutes and 11 seconds, um, which is very interesting because that's a huge event. And at that time, that was, that was you know a very big event because it was something that we never thought we would see in the boxing world. Um but this is the Super Bowl. So she went over two minutes at the at the boxing match between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Um, she, I, if I had to put, I'm not a betting man. I'm not putting money on it. But if I had to, it, I'm going with the over two minutes in that aspect. Um, they also have bets on what color the Gatorade would be. I mean, I, I suppose that's one every year too. But it's just ridiculous on what they come up with uh, when it comes to what you can bet on and make money on if you get it right. And so the options they have is clear. The options I've found was clear, yellow, orange, blue, and red. Um, so far, the the leading at the over 200, plus 200 is clear. And then if you really want to be far out there, the 500, plus 500 is red. Um, and then all that stats actually was credited to a FanDuel Sportsbook. I found that on Twitter, actually. Um, I'm not going to go red because there's red in either team's colors. Uh, 49ers is some type of red. Um, the Chiefs is more of a red, like an actual red. I'm going to go with blue. For some reason, I think blue is going to win. I, I'm not a betting man, like I said, but I can just see one of them throwing a curveball. Like Seattle, when they won the Super Bowl, with they covered Pete Carroll in orange. Like, orange is nowhere be found in that. And so it's just very – you can't really just look at the team colors and guess. I'm going to go blue. Kind of far out there, but watch. Let me watch. Let it be blue, and I'd lose out on money. That'd be just my luck. And if, I'm, if I know Ray when he's out there laughing at me right now because he knows that'd be true. But let's go on to the game itself. Um, really, I mean, these two teams, I mean, Kansas City going into it at 14-4. and four, and San Francisco going in 15 and 3. And really this has been a tale of Patrick Mahomes this year has in the playoffs has been outstanding. Um the defense for the Chiefs stepped up when they needed to. Um and the 49ers the same way. I mean their run game has been so critical in their this in their Super Bowl run and 
really their defense has been playing lights out. And really, when you look at their defense, you look at the the front four. I mean, you had DeForest Buckner, you have Nick Bosa, um, just really making waves in the NFL. And the, and the, the scary thing is, guys, there are, that's two young guys on that roster, two former first-round picks. Um, you know, obviously Buckner coming out of Oregon, Bosa coming out of Ohio State this past year. Um, kind of a spoiler, Nick Bosa won the um, Defensive Rookie of the Year. So that's going to be huge, though. Can that front four get enough pressure on Patrick Mahomes to where the receivers do not have time to get down the field? Because as we all know, the Kansas City Chiefs love to go down the field. They love to let their speed take over the game. And um, who would when you have, you know, like it's being compared to having a track team. And it really is. It's really like having a, a four by one, a four by 100 meter relay team going out there, running across the field and Patrick Mahomes hit him in a stride and making big plays. But can the 49ers front four get enough pressure to where the, you really don't have to worry about the secondary of the 49ers getting burnt deep or allowing the play to develop? And if that can happen, I mean, 49ers, I mean, they, they, you have to feel good if you're that team. However, on the flip side, can the, the Chiefs take away the run game? Because if the Chiefs can take away the San Francisco run game, then you're making the 49ers put it in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. And the 49er players can say all they want. Oh, you know, if you don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, idiots going to be idiots. I forget who really quoted that. But sorry, man, when your quarterback only threw for 77 yards, six, only eight passing attempts the whole game, and you're in the game that you won the, the NFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl, people are going to have doubts, man. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Whether you like it or not, that's just the way it is. Because 6 for 8, 77 yards does, n- does not really smell like an elite quarterback performance to where I think that's what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to have in order to beat the Chiefs. Because we all know Patrick Mahomes guaranteed almost, so you can almost bet on it, they're going to have 250 yards, 300 yards for passing through the air. But let's go back to my point is if you can put the game in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, then obviously Jimmy G has been able to done it, do it in the regular season a couple of times but you have to like your chances here for the Chiefs if you do that because you, you you do have a pretty good secondary um and you have a good edge rushing you have I mean you have guys that can go and make plays when you need them and there's a lot of people out there saying they don't know if the Chiefs can stop that run game it's like well guys they just they held the the hottest rushing attack in the AFC Championship game to only 85 yards. I believe Derrick Henry, you know, one guy that had almost 220 yards every game, last five games it seems like, um, seemed like an unstoppable force for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I believe he only had 69 yards in that game. So they can do it. I, I, I have full faith that they can do it. However, the the 49ers have a really good running, running attack. Um, really, if you look at this game, I mean, it's just an awesome matchup. Um, you know, you have Mahomes and the Chiefs with the high, the, the high passing rate offense, the high paced offense, the high scoring offense. Then you have the 49ers who have a pretty good defense. Um, they have a rushing attack with two great running backs. Um, man, I'm excited for 630 because if you're a football fan, you, you literally watch the game because of matchups like these where the trenches matter, where every little detail in this game will matter. And I am so ready for 6.30. Um, my prediction, however, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think that this is Andy Reid's year. Um, I think, you know, he, he's he been 
man, he's won so many games as a head coach. He went to the Super Bowl as a Philadelphia Eagle back at Super Bowl 39 and ended up getting beat by the New England Patriots. And that was a team that could have won him. That was like, man, you look back, I mean, that was Dominic McNabb, Terrell Owens, and just, man, so many great players on that team. But I think this team is better than that team. I think, I mean, obviously you don't have a big name like Terrell Owens, um, but you do have a Tyreek Hill, and you do have Sammy Watkins. You still have guys that can go out there and make plays. I think the Chiefs going to win. Um, I'm not going to say a blowout. However, I, it could be a blowout depending on what the, the 49ers passing game does. And if Chiefs, like I said earlier, the Chiefs can stop the running game somehow. Um, man, I, I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm going to go by... I'm going to go with six points. Chiefs win by six, somewhere in the margin of 34 to 40. I think it's going to be that high scoring of a game. So, I mean, it's just, I just feel it. I just feel it in my bones today that that's what's going to be. Um, but like I said, I cannot wait till 630. It seriously cannot come soon enough when it comes to the Super Bowl. And like I said, just bittersweet. You know, it's going to be a sweet game, um, no pun intended, and it's going to be a a, a great celebration of this season because this season has really been great. Um, but it's also kind of sad because, well, now we got to go all the way to August without any actual NFL football. Obviously, it's going to be exciting when the draft comes around and, and all the good stuff in that, in that regard. But free agency, like I said, it's going to be exciting to watch, see what develops. But nothing beats turning on the TV on Sunday morning, uh, watching the NFL pregame shows, and then – Sunday, 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, whatever t- time your your game comes on, um, just watching NFL football, nothing beats it. It's just – it goes by so quick. I mean, I remember just week one being yesterday, it feels like. It's a, kind of a bittersweet, but, man, what a game to end it all um, for this year. Um, the NFL, as you, I mean, they kind of started this NFL tradition um, – having the NFL Honors Show, which is, they're just like award show, they're giving out the awards for the year, um, the night before, um, kind of, and also like a part of a celebration. Um, a unanimous MVP was named last night in Lamar Jackson, which doesn't surprise me. I think he had it wrapped up after week 14 of the regular season. Um, however, what what... I don't blame him. I mean, this that guy was amazing all year. Um, the only guy I could have probably seen winning it was Russell Wilson, which um, it's hard not to give it to Lamar Jackson. Even after the playoff game, he had a, a not-so-great performance. And obviously, they don't take that into consideration, and the, it's a regular season award. So if you're looking on just regular season, you would have a hard argument to make for, for Lamar Jackson not to win that uh, award. Um, Offensive Player of the Year, Michael Thomas, receiver out in New Orleans. Again, no argument for me. I mean, he is stellar. I mean, it's, I, however, the Jacksonville Jaguars that were able to guard him, which I take great pride in. It's good Jags. Um, but other than that, I mean, man, I mean, they he was really hard. To, he was rarely guarded. Uh, they had a catchphrase, can't guard Mike. Um, man, for the most part, it's pretty true. So that's no argument for me here. Um, defensive rookie. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, defensive player of the year goes to Stephon Gilmore from New England. Again, no argument for me. What a great year he had. Um, obviously, New England had one of the better defenses. Like I said on the air with Rayson not too long ago, I think they benefited from a weak conference for the most part. Um, however, you, you, um, you can't not give an award to that caliber of a year. Um, caliber of a year 
regardless of the uh this the strength of schedule. Take a drink of water here. Um already kind of spoiled the defensive rookie of the year they named last night in Nick Bosa um out of the defensive end from San Francisco. Um offensive rookie of the year goes to Kyler Murray, quarterback. Um like I said, I mean, this is one that race on I kind of and even the defensive rookie of the year, we kind of went back and forth and I, I thought Josh Allen had a legit shot at winning the defensive rookie of the year. Um I'm not gonna harp on that. If you want to listen to that argument debate, you can go back to older episodes. Um but Kyler Murray, I mean, what a draft pick for the Cardinals. Um, you know, looked like he had great upside. He looked like he matured too. Right in front of our eyes. He looked like he kind of learned on the spot. He didn't seem overwhelmed for the most part. And he put him in positions to win good ball games. And that was somewhere they weren't last year. So, (coughs) excuse me. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how his development continues. How his, uh, how his progression goes going into the next year. Especially after a year under his belt, year in the offseason. I'm just super excited to see what Kyler Murray can do next year. And I'm sure Raceland is too, because him being a Cardinals fan, he this is something that you 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 live to see when you're a guy a franchise that's struggling and you you can finally say, Man, we probably found our franchise quarterback for the next seven to ten years. Um, comeback player of the year goes to Ryan Tannehill. I believe he only he beat out Jimmy Garoppolo by literally single digit votes. Um I think it was less than five votes. It might have been just one. It's just crazy. But it's hard not to give to him. I mean, after the horrific injury he suffered in training camp, um, then, you know, not then getting traded to the Titans, and then having to sit behind Mariota, and then the, he was given the opportunity after Mariota kind of struggled early on, and, man, did he make the most of it. He took his team all the way to the AFC Championship game, Um Obviously, a lot of that was Derrick Henry, but uh, Tannehill had a huge part of that as well. Um, really happy for him. I, I, and I, I'm a Jaguar fan, and we're supposed to not like the Tennessee Titans. However, it's hard not to respect what uh, Tannehill did this year and, and just not admire what he did. And really, you can take a lesson from that. I mean, if you're looking at it from a real-life perspective, you know, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand is a lot of things in football when it comes to storylines, you can use it in real life. And when it comes to Tannehill, it's like, man, you know, he was down, but he fought back. And he got knocked down again when he got traded, but he fought back. He made the most of his situation. And look how it happened. He he took a he, he had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, something that everybody on an NFL roster strides to do. And that's the same thing in real life. You get knocked down, you gotta work hard, get back up. If you get knocked down again, get back up, dust yourself off and go. Um, really loved what Tannehill did, did this year, and I respect him even more as a player, but even more so as a person. I don't know him personally, but just you have to be able to have that mindset and that fight and that grit just to get back on the field and make the most of the opportunity and not let the past come back and haunt you. I applaud Ryan Tannehill. I really do. Um, I I just I hope he can get the starting role next year for the Titans and I hope he I hate to say it make the most of it I mean I hate to say it because I'm a Jaguar fan but man he is a good quarterback and I think he showed everyone in the football role that just that this year but kind of a short show today man 
Um, it's kind of hard to flab your gums when you don't have your partner in crime over here uh, <laughs> talking about other things. But Super Bowl, 630, I think it's going to be on the Fox Network. Um, I'm actually pretty positive that's that because they made a big thing about it on the reunion. Um, oh, how do I forget? almost forget. I, I feel like a horrible fan. Um, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, you know, one of the most prestigious awards um, in the NFL. I mean, it, it really is. I and mean, it's one that you have to be good on the field, but also give back to your community. Um, the first ever Jaguar won it yesterday. Uh, he, uh, Clayus Campbell won that award. And really, I mean, that's, you know, obviously Jaguar fans yesterday were really bummed out about the Tony Baselli not getting the knock on the door um, for the to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And obviously that's the fourth straight year for Tony Vaselli and we're really bummed out about it. But it really did lift us a little bit, at least it did for me, um, seeing Clayus Campbell win that award. Uh, because, man, I mean, he, he he's is the locker room leader. He is, I mean, I, I've said that for many years. And, I've, and like I, Rachel and I kind of debated last week, though, I mean, it's going to be weird to kind of see what happens when it comes to the contract situation and see if they bring him back for that, what he thinks he wants. Um, but man, you can't deny his uh, locker room leadership. You can't deny what he's actually done for the city of Jacksonville. What he, I mean, literally in the short three years that he's been there, my goodness, he's a fan favorite. Every fan loves him. No one will ever say a bad word about Calais Campbell. Um, just, I love him. I love the guy. Um, I, I kind of wish he was there back in 2016 when I went and got to meet all the guys because I would love to meet him. Um, just to be able to pick his brain for the three seconds, you know, just to be able to have that, that I just feel like you're like one of the guys you're around him for, you know, mere seconds, but you learn so much from him and you can just take away from his attitude, you know, because this is a guy that was on a the last two years, very disappointing years for the Jaguars football team. But man, you, you went to the locker room, you hear interviews. I mean, you hear interviews from the locker room from the guy, and he's over there never saying, a, never throwing his teammates under the bus, never throwing ownership under the bus, never throwing anybody under the bus. He's just saying you know, they didn't need to improve, which is a fact. That's not throwing anybody under the bus. But the way he portrayed it was so professional, and he's always been that in his career. Um, great guy. Um, I, I, like I said, hopefully someday down in the future I get a chance to meet Clayus Campbell. But congratulations, man. Uh, like I said, first ever Jaguar to win it. And that, and that means a lot to the Jaguar fan base. Trust me, there's a lot. <laughs> we have a lot of first evers to still accomplish. But just I'm happy that he's one of the first evers to do it. Just like hopefully uh, either, you know, when Tony Baselli gets in or any Jaguar gets in, in that matter, that's a Hall of Famer. Um, this is going to be a special moment for all of us. Um, hopefully, Tony, next year's the year. I know you're probably not even going to listen to this podcast. Uh, but hopefully next year's the year. And that's kind of how I want to wrap up the show. Is, you know, we do this on the other podcast. We have Rachel and I do this called Wrestling New Central. And we do this, you know, where we end the show on, on a thought that's on our mind. And this is the, how I want to end the show. Um, the Hall of Fame voters, I mean, I don't know what rhyme or reason they have. It seems like the when the wind changes, their mind changes a little bit, um, which is fine. They do their opinion. I'm not trying to take their opinion away. But... One of the people I follow on, uh, he works for six ninety AM, I believe, in Jacksonville, ESPN Jacksonville. Um, his name is Brent Martineau. Um, I really respect him as a broadcaster. He's, just, I mean, he's really good. Um, him and a, uh, uh, him and his colleague, um, 
and I I uh and he he said something about how the the voters are really hung up on their longevity on Twitter. And I I made a comment back, but I'm gonna make the comment on air is I agree with I understand longevity has to play a part in it. But it's not like Tony Vaselli played three years and it's not and this goes for anybody that's in the same situation. At some point you have to throw longevity out the window. You have to make now if they play two years and then okay. But what I'm saying is they play over seven years. Um, Tony Vaselli came in in 1995. I believe his last year was 02. So that's seven years on the nose. Um, obviously hurt for one of those years. Um, but at some point, when does it become what the guy did on the field? If you have the Hall of Fame guys, Jason Taylor, uh, Bruce Smith, um, you know, get Hall of Fame coaches coming out saying they're, he's one of the best tackles they've ever seen, then you got to look yourself in the mirror. Who's making these votes? Seriously, if you have guys who've played the game, who are at the Hall of Fame level, played against the guy, and against all these all the, all the Hall of Famers, and they're saying he's one of the best, and you're still voting him out year in and year out, at some point it does make the Hall of Fame look un. I mean, it looks makes it look like a joke to a point, because uh, why? No, I'm not, not. I'm not trying to discredit the guys they did put in. Edder and James definitely deserves to be in there. Isaac Bruce definitely deserves to be in there. Um, Troy Polamalu definitely deserves to be in there. Um, but when you pass up on a guy year in and year out, and you have other people that play the game, this ain't me. This is what quotes that these people the. Uh, the other media has gotten from these guys, and they're saying this. How do you leave them out year in and year out? Because he played seven years and not 15? Maybe because you guys think Jacksonville is too small of a market to have a Hall of Famer? I don't know what it is. But at some point, it makes it look like a joke. I'm not the only one who thinks this. I'd be I would be surprised if I'm the only one who thinks this. At some point, who makes these votes? And at some point, when do we start holding when when at some point when does it come about putting the best guys in that made it happen on the field? And Tony's done it off the field. You know, and that's that's another guy I would love to meet. But at some point, you got to look in yourself in the mirror and say, look, are we doing a disjustice here? A disservice, not a disjustice, a disservice when it comes to the football community, football, what the Hall of Fame is supposed to mean? This is a franchise that were, was founded in 1993, played their first year in 95. He was their first ever draft pick. And to be that su- successful, have a Hall of Fame career, Jumpstart an NFL franchise, literally. One of the key parts in the only NFL expansion team ever to go f- four out of their four straight playoff appearances in their first five years. Ever. That's what I'm gonna leave you guys on. Is that at some point what what are the standards to get in the Hall of Fame? 
I know it's opinionated by voting, which is fine. But what are those voters looking for? Seems like right now all they're looking for is how long did you play the game? How long did you play it at okay standards? Because Tony Baselli had a great career. But it wasn't long enough. That's my rant for today. And that, that was this episode of the Football Aholics podcast. I'm James, and hopefully Raceland will be joining us back next week. Um, can't wait to talk to you guys uh, next week about the Super Bowl and many other things when it comes to the game of football. Um, I'm James, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Football Aholics podcast.